Chapter 42 of Dread A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by William Jones, Benita Springs, Florida. Dread Chapter 42 The Result after the devotional services were over, Dr. Calker proceeded immediately with the business that he had in his mind. Now, Brother Cushing, he said, there never was any instrumentality raised up by Providence to bring to the latter day equal to the Presbyterian Church in the United States of America. It is the great hope of the world. For here, in this country, we are trying the great experiment for all ages, and undoubtedly the Presbyterian Church comes the nearest perfection of any form of organization possible to our frail humanity. It is the Ark of the Covenant for this nation, and for all nations. Missionary enterprises to foreign countries, tract societies, home missionary, seamen's friend societies, Bible societies, Sunday school unions, all are embraced in its bosom, and it grows in a free country, planted by God's own right hand, with such laws and institutions as never were given to mortal man before. It is carrying us right on to the millennium, and all we want is union. United we stand the most glorious, the most powerful institution in the world. Now there was no need for your southern brethren to be so restive as you were. We were doing all we could to keep down the fire and keep things quiet, and you ought not to have bolted so. Since you have separated from us, what have we done? I suppose you thought we were going to blaze out in a regular abolition fury. But you see, we haven't done it. We haven't done any more than when we were united. Just look at our minutes, and you'll see it. We have strong and determined abolitionists among us, and they are constantly urging and pushing. There have been great public excitements on the subject of slavery, and we have been plagued and teased to declare ourselves, but we haven't done it in a single instance, not one. You see that Ruskin and his clique have gone off from us, because we would hold still. It is true that now and then we had to let some anti-slavery man preach on opening sermon, or something of that sort. But then opening sermons are nothing. They don't commit anybody. They don't show the opinion of anybody but the speaker. In fact, they don't express any more than that declaration of 1818 which stands unrepealed on your records, as well as on ours. Of course, we are all willing to say that slavery is an evil entirely inconsistent with the spirit of the gospel and all that, because that's on your own books. We only agree to say nothing about it nowadays in our public capacity, because what was said in 1818 is all-sufficient and prevents the odium and scandal of public controversy now. Now... For proof that what I have just said is true, look at the facts. 
we had three presbyteries in slaveholding states when we started, and now we have over twenty with fifteen to twenty thousand members. That must show you what our hearts are on this subject. And have we not always been making overtures for reunion, really humbling ourselves to you, brethren? Now I say you ought to take these facts into account. Our slaveholding members and churches are left as perfectly undisturbed to manage in their own way as yours. To be sure, some of those western men will fire off a remonstrance once a year, or something of that sort. Just let them do that. It keeps them easy and contented, and, so long as there is really no interfering in the way of discipline or control, what harm is done? You ought to bear some with the northern brethren, unreasonable as they are, and we may as well have a discussion every year to let off the steam. For my part, said Father Bonney, I want union, I'm sure. I'd tar and feather those northern abolitionists if I could get at them. Figuratively, I suppose, said Dr. Packthread, with a gentle smile. Yes, figuratively, and literally, too, said Father Bonney, laughing. Let them come down here and see what they'll get. If they will set the country in a blaze, they ought to be the first ones to be warmed at the fire. For my part, brethren, I must say that you lose time and strength by your admissions, all of you. You don't hit the buck in the eye. I thank the Lord that I am delivered from the bondage of thinking slavery is a sin, or an evil in any sense. Our abolitionist brethren have done one good thing. They have driven us to examine the scriptures, and there we find that slavery is not only permitted, but appointed, enjoined. It is a divine institution. If a northern abolitionist comes at me now, I shake the Bible at him and say, Nay, but, O oh man, who art thou that repliest against God? Hath not the potter power over the clay to make one lump to honor and another to dishonor? I tell you, brethren, it blazes from every page of the scriptures. You'll never do anything till you get onto that ground. A man's conscience is always hanging onto his skirts. He goes on just like a bear with a trap on its leg, can't make any progress that way. You have got to get your feet on the rock of ages, I can tell you, and get the trap off your leg. There's nothing like the study of the scriptures to clear a fellow's mind. Well then, said Clayton, would it not be as well to repeal the laws which forbid the slaves to learn to read and put the scriptures into their hands? These laws are the cause of a great deal of misery and immorality among the slaves, and they furnish abolitionists with some of their strongest arguments. Oh, said Father Bonney, that will never do in the world. It will expose them to whole floods of abolition and incendiary documents, corrupt their minds, and make them discontented. Well, said Dr. Cushing, I have read Dr. Carnes' book, and I must say that the scriptural argument lies, in my mind, on the other side. Hang Dr. Carnes' book, said Father Bonney. Figuratively, I suppose, said Dr. Packthread. Why, Dr. Carnes' much learning has made him mad, said Father Bonney. 
I don't believe anything that can't be got out of a plain English Bible. When a fellow goes shuffling off in a Hebrew fog, in a Latin fog, in a Greek fog, I say, Ah, my boy, you are treed. You had better come down. Why is it not plain enough to any reader of the Bible how the apostles talked to the slaves? They didn't fill their heads with stuff about the rights of man. Now see here, just at a venture, he said, making a dive at a pocket Bible that lay on the table. Now just let me read you. Quote, Masters give unto your servants that which is just and equal. Close quote. Show, show, that isn't the place I was thinking of. It's here. Quote, servants, obey your masters. There's into them, you see. Obey your masters that are in the flesh. Now these abolitionists won't even allow that we are masters. Perhaps, said Clayton quietly, if the slaves could read, they'd pay more attention to the first passage that you favored us with. Oh, likely, said Father Bonnie, because, you see, their interest naturally would lead them to pervert scripture. If it wasn't for that perverting influence of self-love, I, for my part, would be willing enough to put the scriptures into their hands. I suppose, said Clayton, there's no such danger in the case of us masters, is there? I say, said Father Bonnie, not noticing the interruption, Cushing, you ought to read Fletcher's book. That book, sir, is a sweater, I can tell you. I sweat over it, I know. But it does not up this Greek and Hebrew work thoroughly, I promise you. Though I can't read Greek or Hebrew, I see there's heaps of it there. Why, he takes you clear back to the creation of the world and drags you through all the history and literature of the old botherers of all ages, and he comes down on the fathers like forty. There's Christostom and Tertullian and all the rest of those old cocks and the old Greek philosophers besides, Plato and Aristotle and all the rest of them. If a fellow wants learning, there he'll get it. I declare I'd rather cut my way through the dismal swamp in dog days. But I was determined to be thorough, so I off-coat and went at it, and there's no mistake about it. Cushing, you must get the book. You'll feel so much better if you'll settle your mind on that point. I never allow myself to go trailing along with anything hanging by the gills. I am an out-and-outer. Walk up to the captain's office and settle. That's what I say. We shall all have to do that one of these days, said Father Dixon, and maybe we shall find it one thing to settle with the clerk and another to settle with the captain. Well, Brother Dixon, you needn't look at me with any of your solemn faces. I'm settled now. For my part, said Dr. Packthread, I think instead of condemning slavery in the abstract, we ought to direct our attention to its abuses. And what do you consider its abuses? said Clayton. Why, the separation of families, for instance, said Dr. Packthread, and the forbidding of education. You think, then, said Clayton, that the slave ought to have a legal right to his family? Well, yes. Of course, he ought to have the legal means of maintaining it. Yes. Then, of course, he ought to be able to enter suit 
when this right is violated and to bear testimony in a court of justice yes and do you think that the master ought to give him what is just and equal in the way of wages certainly in one shape or another said dr packthread and ought the slave to have the means of enforcing this right certainly then the slave ought to be able to hold property yes and he should have the legal right to secure education if he desires it yes well said clayton when the slave has a legal existence and legal rights can hold property and defend it acquire education and protect his family relations he ceases to be a slave for slavery consists in the fact of legal incapacity for any of these things it consists in making a man a dead inert substance in the hands of another holding men pro nullus pro mortuus what you call reforming abuses is abolishing slavery it is in this very way that i wish to seek its abolition and i desire the aid of the church and ministry in doing it now dr packthread what efforts has the church as yet made to reform these abuses of slavery there was a silence of some minutes at last dr cushing replied there has been a good deal of effort made in oral religious instruction oh yeah said father bonnie our people have been at it with great zeal in our part of the country i have a class myself that i have been instructing in the assembly's catechism in the oral way and ascendants have taken it up and they are preaching the gospel to them and writing catechisms for them but said clayton would it not be best to give them a legal ability to obey the gospel is there any use in teaching the sanctity of marriage unless you obtain for husbands and wives the legal right to live faithful to each other it seems to me only cruelty to awaken conscience on that subject without giving the protection and assistance of law what he says is very true said dr cushing with emphasis we ministers are called to feel the necessity of that with regard to our slave church members you see we are obliged to preach unlimited obedience to masters and yet why it was only last week a very excellent pious mulatto woman in my church came to me to know what she should do her master was determined she should live with him as a mistress yet she has a husband on the place how am i to advise her the man is a very influential man and capable of making a good deal of commotion besides which she will gain nothing by resistance but to be sold away to some other master who will do worse now this is a very trying case to a minister i'm sure if anything could be done i'd be glad but the fact is the moment a person begins to move in the least to reform these abuses he is called an abolitionist and the whole community is down on him at once that's the state these northern fanatics have got us into oh yes said dr bascom a leading minister who had recently come in besides a man can't do everything we've got as much as we can stagger under on our shoulders now 
we've got the building up of the church to attend to that's the great instrumentality which at last will set everything straight we must do as the apostles did confine ourselves to preaching the gospel and the gospel will bring everything else in its train the world can't be made over in a day we must do one thing at a time we can't afford just at present to tackle in all our other difficulties the odium and misrepresentation of such a movement the minute we begin to do anything which looks like restraining the rights of masters the cry of church and state and abolition will be raised and we shall be swamped but said father dixon isn't it the right way first to find out our duty and do it and then leave the result to god ought we to take the counsel of flesh and blood in matters like these of course not said dr packthread but there is a wise way and an unwise way of doing things we are to consider the times and only undertake such works as the movements of divine providence seem to indicate i don't wish to judge for brethren a time may come when it will be their duty to show themselves openly on this subject but in order to maintain a foothold for the influences of the gospel to work on it may be necessary to bear and forbear with many evils under the present state of things i hope many of the slaves are becoming hopefully pious brethren seem to feel that education will be attended with dangers probably it might it would seem desirable to secure the family relations of the slaves if it could be done without too much sacrifice of more important things after all the kingdom of our lord jesus christ is not of this world the apostle entered no public protest against the abuses of slavery that we read of it strikes me said clayton that there is a difference between our position under a republican government in which we vote for our legislators and in fact make laws ourselves and have the admitted right to seek their repeal and that of the apostles who were themselves slaves and could do nothing about the laws we make our own laws and every one of us is responsible for any unjust law which we do not do our best to alter we have the right to agitate write print and speak and bring up the public mind to the point of reform and therefore we are responsible if unjust laws are not repealed well said father dixon god forgive me that i have been so remiss in times past henceforth whatever others may do i will not confer with flesh and blood but i will go forth and declare the word of the lord plainly to this people and show unto the house of judah their transgressions and now i have one thing to say to our dear northern brethren i mourn over the undecided course which they take brethren in slave states are beset with many temptations the whole course of public opinion is against them they need that their northern brethren should stand firm and hold up their hands alas how different has been their course their apologies for this mighty sin have weakened us more than all things put together public opinion is going back the church is becoming corrupted ministers are drawn into connivance with deadly sin children and youth are being ruined by habits of early tyranny our land is full of slave prisons and the poor trader 
no man careth for his soul our poor whites are given up to ignorance and licentiousness and our ministers like our brother bonnie here begin to defend this evil from the bible brother calker here talks of the presbyterian church alas in her skirts is found the blood of poor innocents and she is willing for the sake of union to destroy them for whom christ died brethren you know not what you do you enjoy the blessings of living in a land uncursed by any such evils your churches your schools and all your industrial institutions are going forward while ours are going backward and you do not feel it because you do not live amongst us but take care one part of the country cannot become demoralized without at last affecting the other the sin you cherish and strengthen by your indifference may at last come back in judgments that may visit even you i pray god to avert it but as god is just i tremble for you and for us well good-bye brethren i must be on my way you will not listen to me and my soul cannot come into your counsels and father dixon rose to depart oh come come now brother don't take it so seriously said dr cushing stay at least and spend the day with us and let us have a little christian talk i must go said father dixon i have an appointment to preach which i must keep for this evening and so i must bid you farewell i hope to do something by coming here but i see that it is all in vain farewell brethren i shall pray for you well father dixon i should like to talk more with you on this subject said dr cushing do come again it is very difficult to see the path of duty in these matters poor dr cushing was one of those who are destined like stationary ships forever to float up and down in one spot only useful in marking the ebb and flood of the tide affection generosity devotion he had everything but the power to move on clayton who had seen at once that nothing was to be done or gained rose and said that his business was also pressing and that he would accompany father dixon on his way what a good fellow dixon is said cushion after he returned to the room he exhibits a very excellent spirit said dr packthread old dixon would do well enough said dr calker if he wasn't a monomaniac that's what's the matter with him but when he gets to going on this subject i never hear what he says i know it's no use to reason with him entirely time lost i have heard all these things over and over again but i wish said dr cushing something could be done well who doesn't said dr calker we all wish something could be done but if it can't it can't there's the end of it so now let us proceed and look into business a little more particularly after all said dr packthread you old school brethren have greatly the advantage of us although you have a few poor good souls like this dixon they are in so insignificant a minority that they can do nothing can't even get to the general assembly or send in a remonstrance or petition or anything else 
so that you are never plagued as we are. We cannot even choose a moderator from the slaveholding states for fear of an explosion. But you can have slaveholding moderators or anything else that will promote harmony and union. End of Dread Chapter 42 The Result